My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 88 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast, sponsored by Yople Skier Yogurts. Hey everybody, on this week's show we look at the runner's breakfast. If we are running in the morning, should it be pre or post run? And then what should the breakfast look like if we are running later on in the day? And what is the role that protein might play in that breakfast? Everybody, get your running gear on, let's go. Hey everybody, hope you're all keeping well and most importantly hope you're all training and racing well as well. Before we touch on some very exciting results there over the last week or so, first up thank you to our sponsors for this month, Yople Skier Yogurts that have 0% fat, they are naturally high in protein and if you're unsure you can always just read the label. And the Skier 850 gram yogurts are available in Aldi stores nationwide. Okay, what has been happening results-wise since our last show? And well, what a result there last weekend at the Transgolan Canadia 130km classic race where Emma Stewart from Sligo originally and currently living over in the UK came third in a world-class field, finishing in 16 hours, 15 minutes behind the highly accomplished Spanish athlete Claudia Tromps in second with 16 hours, 27 minutes and the GOAT. Courtney Delwater from the US winning in 15 hours 14 minutes. You might remember actually that we had Emma on the show in episode 70 where she spoke about combining her training and racing with her work as a vet in Cumbria where she lives and she had just become Ireland's first ever UTMB race winner winning at Snowdonia by UTMB. Emma last year also won the Tour de Johns, the Arc of Attrition. So she is now firmly established as one of the world's very best ultra trail runners. And in an interview with Run Republic there this week, she mentioned how she would love to run for Ireland this year at the European Off-Road Championships in France, as well as having UTMB Mont Blanc in our sights in August as well. So we wish Emma a speedy rest and recovery period from that fabulous, fabulous result at the Transgrand Canary there last week, and onwards and upwards for the rest of the year, Emma, fair play to you. Back at home, congrats to the finishers and podium runners at the Clonmel Trail Half with Keely Tideswell from the hometown club, Clonmel AC, a clear winner by 12 minutes with a winning time of 1 hour 49 minutes and that's Keeley's 12th win from her last 14 Imre races super racing Keeley and in the men's race Emmett Cloak continued his unbeaten start to the year 7 wins from 7 races with a win in a very close contest with Barry Harnett in 2nd place Emmett with 1 hour 40 minutes and Barry 1 hour 42 a quick race announcement as well from one of my former Irish teammates James Cavan who must have close to 10 caps for the Irish team in many European and World Championships whose club over in the 
UK, Horwick RMI Harriers are celebrating their 100 year in existence and they're having their annual Riverton Pike Race, one of the oldest and most historic fell races in the UK, just over 3.25 miles with 800 feet of ascent and lots of prize money up for grabs as well if anybody fancies a trip over to Horwich which is about an hour away from Liverpool. And thank you again to all of our Patreons for supporting the show every month and if you are a listener, you like tuning in, do pop over to Patreon where if you have a moment to make a small donation of the price of a running gel per month to help keep us on the airwaves and one of the reasons of course why we enjoy doing this is sharing the knowledge that we've picked up over the years training and racing wise and even nutrition wise as well so with that in mind let's call in Rennie Boer from Running Coach Ireland for our segment on all things breakfast how to optimize it for our racing and training and also for our general health. Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rene, great to have you back on the podcast. And I think we've got a really interesting segment this month, influenced by our very friendly sponsor, Skier, who were in touch with us. And then just because, Rene, myself on the coaching side, and I'm sure you probably get similar questions as well, over the last couple of weeks, a couple of my athletes have been asking me, questions about breakfast and maybe it's things that we all take for granted about timing of breakfast what the content of breakfast should be and I just thought some of the questions were, were really good and I thought it would be a good maybe chat for us today a 20 minute chat half an hour chat on timing of breakfast content of breakfast and then we can take advantage of the fact that skier are our sponsors this month and we can have maybe a bit of a look at the role of yogurts in breakfast the role of protein in breakfast and the role of good healthy nutritional food in breakfast as well because i think with breakfast Rene, that it's a it's a very individual meal you know i think a lot of the time we have our dinners with the family we have lunch maybe with work colleagues but i think breakfast a lot of the time we have on our own whether it's uh pre-run early in the morning for us runners or maybe post-run as the case may be and we often have our own breakfast menus and recipes that we've been probably eaten for for years and years so an interesting topic Randy for us to explore I think this week. Yeah food topics always you know interesting emotional multifaceted and you know in particular with Scandinavian yogurt you know with a skier is you know it's from Iceland originally the recipe obviously has a lot of emotion for me because as probably listeners know I'm from another part of Scandinavia and I do remember growing up with a lot of yogurt products and a lot of dairy products in general right because it, it's huge back home just as it is here um, but there was a very very rich culture of cultured um, dairy products back home both cheeses and yogurts and they were a big part of my childhood and just as we were kind of revisiting this topic, Owen, I looked at all the old names and the, the different processes that they're created with, you know, and, and some of the memories came back. And that was actually, it was quite, it's quite fun. You know, whenever you hear something from your childhood, it always brings back some images that haven't been with you like for decades. Yeah. And how have you got on over the last couple of weeks, Rene, going through some of what's available in the Irish market? Because our friends in Scare, they did ask us, said, guys, can you give us a review of our product? And they didn't say give us a good review. They didn't say obviously give us a bad review. They said give us an honest review. And I know you've been beginning to kind of explore what's on the Irish market in terms of 
whether it's good quality or bad quality yogurts, you tell us here. And I know you're in the process of that now and going through some different brands, some different styles. How have you been getting on? Yeah, so I bought so many different ones that I still have quite a few to test. And we thought it was that's actually a good thing because we can speak a little bit about some experiments I'll be doing with the timing in the next one. And then we can kind of set the more general scene today. Um, but you know, generally on the listeners probably have figured out by now, my overall food philosophy, which is kind of the bias that I bring to the conversation, is I think ideally food should be local, mm-hmm. unprocessed as much as possible, seasonal and organic, but that's like optimal. And then sometimes we eat something that doesn't fit those, and that's usually for pleasure or for convenience, you know, because maybe we have a protein shake, which is not exactly unprocessed, but it may be the only time, it, the only way, sorry, to get a certain amount of nutrition into you if your life is in a certain way. Let's say you're rushing from a track session in the city center, you have a two-hour drive home, something around that. Or if you are picking foods or food supplements, because you're trying to test for what we in sports call, you know, an ergogenic effect, which means some kind of performance enhancing effect. So like when we take a very salt, it's salt tablets, it could be caffeine, it could be some kind of pre-workout, you know, mix of amino acids and other stimulants. It could be many things. So that's my kind of very, very broad strokes philosophy that, that I have to food. And then many years ago, I experimented with nearly everything. You know, I've been down all the rabbit holes and, um, And I found that for myself, it was not healthy to approach food with too much obsession Um, because the emotions that you have and this when you so if you eat food with guilt, you know, if you're very if you feel bad about what you're eating, that actually influences what happens. You know, that's not an excuse, of course, for eating lots of junk food because it makes you feel super happy. But it does mean that we have to be careful to have too rigid um, you could say a belief system around food that actually causes our relationship to food to become nearly dysfunctional, you know, because no matter what we do, we feel like we have to, to overanalyze everything. So, you know, with, with that kind of out of the way, um, that obviously, you know, if you look at something like a yogurt product and, or dairy products in general, that's something most of us, you know, have as part of our diets and probably have had uh, in our diets for a long, long time. Uh, we know that probably are some listeners who have found out over time that they don't tolerate it. You know, we could talk about any food on this call and you will find people who have an issue with it, which could be because of the state of their gut flora, for instance, it might be out of balance, so they can't process it. It could be, you know, something inherent. It could be because let's say we know some people, I think it's about 10% of the world's population own a lactose intolerant, right? So if you're lactose intolerant, obviously you cannot eat a dairy product that has a lot of milk sugar, which is lactose. They have to pick different solutions. But by and large, it's a well-understood kind of food group. And and it plays a part, I think, for a lot of the people listening in their fueling strategy or their recovery strategy. So I think it's it's, it's something we can talk about. And and as we went through the different products, you know, you'd think, well, a yogurt is not just a yogurt. You know, yogurt is the way the market has developed and the many different types, you can get yogurts with many, many different nutritional profiles. So it is actually quite interesting to talk about when should you use them because you can take the conversation we have today and you can broaden it out and make it a bit more general because you know yeah. we'll be talking about fat, we'll be talking about sugar, we'll be talking about protein and how they interact with each other. Um, and we're just kind of using yogurt here as a focus for the discussion. And, and I think a really good example. 
And you're probably better off and maybe leaving the kids at home as you're going down the yogurt aisle, because no doubt they'll go for the most colorful or the one with the cartoon characters on it. And instead of picking up a yogurt, maybe with a nutri score of a nice big green A, you might end up with one of a C or a D, uh, which won't help us runners and probably won't help the kids either. So do look out for those A grade yogurts if you can. Yeah, well, yes, and I'm lucky, Owen, and I wouldn't say I don't say this to brag because you know my 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 children do eat some things that I would prefer they don't eat, like yeah. cereals in the morning. You know, I really wish they would grow out of that uh, because I, I think cereals are junk, right, total junk. Uh, but the boys like it. And my daughter doesn't. But when it comes to yogurts, they actually have really good taste. My daughter will only eat Greek yogurt, ten percent fat, nothing else. That's her. Okay. And the boys eat, you know, the Aldi Greek yogurt with a little bit of strawberry or peach on top. So yeah. they, they're, they're reasonably taste there, but um, they're, not, they're no saints, just in case I'm giving the wrong impression. Isn't it good, I think, even for, say, runners as well, that um, it is okay to have a little bit of blueberry in your yogurt or whatever it might be. It's okay to have a little bit of peach and mango in your yogurt as well, because as you said, you don't want to become too obsessive with avoiding all sugars, avoiding certain brands. You want to be able to enjoy that breakfast experience. And this could be, Renny, you know, the typical Irish breakfast on Christmas morning. And what you don't want is that on Christmas morning, you're saying no to a beautiful big breakfast with your folks, with your kids, because you have a long run later on on Christmas Day. That's when we have gone past the line, I think. And that's when people end up with a nutritionist because they need to just refix their diet and probably refix their body as a result as well. On the protein side, of course, yogurt can be a, a good source of protein for us after training. One of my athletes there a couple of days ago, Renny, he said to me, oh, oh yeah, I have a protein bar before I go training first thing in the morning. I get up out of bed, a couple of minutes later, I've got a protein bar and off I go. What do you think of that yourself, Renny? Do you think that's a good pre-run fueling strategy? Yes, well, it in terms of just looking at what's in it, you know, the, the main thing, the main ingredient, clearly, if it's called a protein bar, we'd expect that it's protein. That is generally a good idea in the scenario of pre-workout because there's, there's various benefits of protein. One is, you know, all foods can help create an insulin response own. Obviously, quick sugar creates the biggest spike. And that sounds like a bad thing to people. But in the morning, a little insulin reaction, well, in general, insulin serves a function, right? So if you don't have insulin working, you're, you're in trouble. But a lot of people are, have heard negative things about you know insulin spikes. That is part of what makes you fat and things like this. We, and there's a truth to that. You know, That's basically what we're talking about is if you excessively eat lots of quick sugars and things like that, or a lot of sugar and fat together, it's a problem. And then you can have various dysfunctions. But generally, Insulin in the morning is actually helpful because it counteracts the stress hormone that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, which is cortisol. Um, and protein can have that effect too, right? So if you don't want to get up in the morning and you know straight away eat sugar or carbs, the protein bar has a very similar effect. And you also, protein before exercise has been shown to be muscle sparing. Okay, so that means that uh, you you tend you already your body can start to break down the proteins into amino acids and get them ready for you know the muscular recovery, the muscular building from the exercise a little bit earlier. Yeah. But if we go back to my bias, I I would prefer something less processed and more natural if it was me. Although I I have been that soldier, you know, as 
I think I was telling you at some stage, you know, I, I've been myself very tempted by, oh, there's a lovely protein bar with hazelnut and chocolate taste. You know, it looks great on the picture on it. And, you know, then you turn it around and you look at the ingredient list. And sometimes there's quite a lot of stuff in there. And a lot of it, I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah. So I have thought a lot about that is to say, well, it probably would be better in those cases just to eat, let's say, a high protein uh, yogurt. If all I'm looking for is the protein. Yeah. Uh, why not take, or you know, it could be some eggs if that's, you know, what prickles your fancy or, or what you like the taste of more, what, whatever it is, you know, and at the same time, of course, considering a dry bar, would that maybe be more likely, especially if you're not properly hydrating of causing some stomach cramps, you know, as you go out for your run. So really, I think it's more about figuring out these scenarios that I think you you lined a few up for us before the call on. Yeah, because I think my, my answer to him was, well, if we're doing any type of intensity in that morning run, or if it's, say, beyond just an easy 35, 40 minutes, we probably need to be taking on some carbohydrates. And yeah, I've got a couple of profiles running here because, you know, the, the morning breakfast for the runner, it depends so much, I think, on what time we're getting our run in and whether we're getting our breakfast in pre or post run. So I've got a couple of profiles here and maybe we could just go through them quickly, Rennie, and just get your own thoughts on them. And the first profile is when you're doing that training session first thing in the morning and maybe we could take it from the approach of a very easy say 40 minutes just loosen out the legs get your get your mileage done for the day but then you know a lot of people their days are full busy they go into work for nine o'clock they drop the kids off at eight o'clock and they might have to do an interval session say on a wednesday morning or a tempo run on a tuesday morning so it's not just an easy 40 minute run it's maybe a 30 minute tempo run or 10 by one minute up the mountains. So therefore, I think we require a slightly different breakfast than the person who's going for that easy morning run first thing in the morning. What do you think? Yeah. So this, this you know, generally problem with the first time you break fast, which is the original meaning of the word breakfast, it just means you are having a meal after a prolonged break from food. There are some benefits of having long breaks from eating food as we, and, you know, overnight is the usual period where this happens to most people. It is that the body can focus all its energy on digestion and repair. You know, it's not being asked to take care of anything new coming in. But that also means that generally the body is a bit low on those things when you wake in the morning. And because when you wake up, to wake up, the body raises the stress hormone cortisol. If you have any other stresses in your life or if you have issues with your sleep rhythms, that spike is often very high, okay? And if you don't then eat something that takes that down, so you just add exercise on top, it raises further. So you have a very, very high stress reaction for the body. And that's been shown to have all sorts of, of negative effects, right? Like including muscular breakdown, but also generally a lower performance in the run itself. So what does that mean? Well, it means if you do the run and you will simply not be able to have the same quality. And because you don't have the same quality, then you are actually not burning as many calories in the run because you're working at low intensity. But you're also not burning as many after. Because the better quality the workout is, the, the bigger a response you actually get to your kind of basal metabolic rate. You know, that's how much you burn in the hours after. So that's kind of the context of understanding breakfast. Now, and within that, there is still a case. There are scenarios where you might wake up and say, look, I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to go run. If you, We didn't want to dive into it in massive detail today, right, on about fasted versus 
breakfast running because it's such a huge topic. And while the opinion sways to breakfast being best in most scenarios, there is also a lot of compelling arguments for when a fasted fasted cardio exercise can be useful for various different reasons. But it's a very big controversial topic. So to not get sidetracked too much by it, the main thing to understand is if you're very stressed or if you're trying to do a workout that's a little bit higher quality, and especially if it's over 60 minutes, you're probably playing with fire a bit with the fasted um, the fasted exercise, especially if it's a regular thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, might, you might get away with it when you have to start over the first couple of times that you do it, uh, but then it just becomes way too stressful on the body, doesn't it? And even when I would go as far as to say, even if you're doing, say, three or four easy runs fasted in a row, over the course of a week, I think by day three or day four, you'll really notice energy levels coming down. You'll notice yourself a bit more grumpier, a bit more stressed because one or two days are fine. But over the course of the week, we I think we do need to uh, make sure that we're carbo loading right, if you like, before our morning runs. Yeah, the issue is that the, when the body experiences the need to exercise and a lack of energy supply, it's, it often sees that as a threat. And what it actually does then is it reduces its energy spending because it thinks there's a threatening situation. And that's often not actually the type of state we want to be in if we are regularly training quite vigorously. You know, you, you don't want a, the body to switch down into a threatened state. Um, but maybe we will definitely cover some other time, you know, what, when, when can it work and when can't it? But when you go... Let's say you, you wake up and you do feel like, look, I'd like something. Then you have to make a choice. What's the best thing to take? Generally, you don't want quick sugars because quick sugars are going to give you the insulin spike that most people understand. You know, you're actually going to flood your body with sugar and the body's own sugar synthesis is going to shut down. And that can create this kind of early run crash or early race crash if you're racing in the morning. So you don't want that. You want something a little bit more stable. So that can, for instance, be as you, you know, it can be low, low GI carbs can serve that uh, function. And so can protein because protein, as I mentioned, they do trigger an insulin response as well. Mm. Um, and they have that muscle sparing effect or you can combine the two. But what you don't want generally if you're eating those two things, you probably don't want to add fat in as well. Why not? Because it actually slows down the absorption of those. Yeah. But that doesn't have to be a problem, I should say. So if, let's say you eat a Greek yogurt in the morning, one of the ones that's 10% or something similar, maybe mm. you eat um, an omelet, that will still stabilize your system, right? It may not matter that the protein from the omelet is being processed slightly slower because maybe you, you you fried it in butter because if your workout is not particularly intense right if you're just going for a 60 minute easy run it's not going to be a showstopper for that run yeah your body still knows okay there's something here and the protein is not needed but where it really becomes important is if you have breakfast after your run or if you have a snack after the run because this is where we come to talk about, you know, the the, the old twin, the two-hour rule, as they used to call it, and the 20-minute rule. The basic idea is that for the amino acids that the body needs for repair, for muscular repair, and for, for other things that needs to be built after exercise, you get the greatest amount of synthesis by the body if you can provide the first dose within 20 minutes 
Mm-hmm. And that dose should not be much bigger than 35, 20 to 20 to 35 grams. Yeah. The, the uh, body can't handle much more than that, Renny, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite 20 is probably a good place to start. Um in, in just because as I say, yogurt is kind of what we use as an example today. That's usually what you get in about 200 grams of most yogurts. But you if it's protein only, then it would be higher, right? So you can look at the label to see to get 20 grams, let's say, what would I need to eat? And you might think it doesn't matter, but some of the studies done on this have actually shown, for instance, that a 30 gram protein breakfast doesn't give as good an effect. You know, so 20 grams is kind of ideal. And then at the two hour point after your workout, you can hit it again, basically. So you can put in another 20 grams at that stage. And that gives the body uh, what it needs, all the building blocks, but not faster than it can process it. And, you know, you don't really want to overwhelm in any scenario your body with food. That's probably a big part of our modern eating problems, you know, is that we we eat too big portions. Yeah. So it's about spreading it out over the course of the day, Renny, isn't it? And I think for, for runners, they need to make sure that their protein content is a lot higher than the average person who might only need, say, roughly what, 0.8 grams per, per kilogram of body weight, where for runners, especially when we're in high intense periods of training, especially when we're preparing, say, for a big ultra on the mountains, you're talking probably at least double that, probably 1.6 to even as high as maybe two grams per kilogram of weight. And it's not just trying to squeeze it all. As you said, in your breakfast, it's spreading it out over the course of the day. Yeah, like if we can just summarize it again, you know, in terms of this was the before and after. Another benefit of having protein in your breakfast Protein is the most effective of the three major macronutrients, you know, carbs, fat, and protein in suppressing food cravings and reducing appetite. Mm. That's also why it's very, very difficult to overeat protein. That's something you'll notice if you try. You know, yeah. you try just and eat steak yeah. until you feel sick. It, it, you cannot eat that much, you know, you, some, some maybe more than others, but it's a really, it, and it has to do, there's some mechanisms when you eat protein where the body feels it's getting overwhelmed and it just shuts it down. So, you know, that, that's a benefit. That's much harder with sugar, for instance. It's much, much easier to overeat that. But they say to really get that effect that you don't have your cravings, let's say, for the first four or five hours of the day, you need to get over those 20 grams. The 30-gram 30, 30 breakfast, that means if you only pay lip service to your protein in breakfast, let's say you have your porridge and you whip in a little scoop of um, some kind of peanut butter or almond butter or something, that probably won't be enough to make that difference. Um, but the studies done on it were quite interesting. You know, they, they, they saw that people generally had better food choices through the entire day because of those reduced cravings. Yeah. But they yeah. did note that most people do the opposite in our society. So they eat most of their protein at the evening meal and least of their protein at breakfast. So that's actually the opposite of what would be ideal to do. Yeah. For our runners, Rene, who say are running at lunchtime and then for the runners who are maybe running home from work or running with their clubs in the evening time, that breakfast content probably needs to be a little bit different. They have more time to digest the food. They can maybe just um, throw in some extra ingredients that the person who runs first thing in the morning 
can't do. So any any general tips that you might have about the person to, who runs at lunchtime and then the person who runs in the evening time. And I might just say as well that I think one important meal that we can that we should mention as well for the person who runs first thing in the morning is don't forget that the dinner the night before can really help set you up for that morning run as well. Like if you have your dinner not too late in the evening and it's a very good quality um, carbohydrate and protein meal, that dinner, say at seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the evening at the very latest, maybe that sets you up for your early morning run as well. So it's not as important that breakfast first thing in the morning if you've got your dinner right the day before. But what about any day, the people who run at lunchtime and the people who run in the evening time? What do you think? Can they can they go a bit more wild on their breakfast choices and their lunch choices than the ones that run in the morning? Yes, well, they don't need to worry as much about the stomach upset part of it, you know, so you you could probably you could eat a bigger breakfast or you could maybe make choices of things, you know, you will have well digested, but that would otherwise upset you. But really, you, you need to you need to have always avoid generally fat and sugar together. Okay, no, no matter what you do, that's a bad combination um, because it gives you a massive insulin spike. You know, But the funny thing is, there's nearly no fat plus sugar foods in nature. Right. You know, the, the only foods that really combine that are man-made ones, let's say ice cream, you know, is a good example of that delicious as it is. So, but, but there's ways you could, like if you decided to pour a cream on your cereal in the morning or something like that, um, or a lot of the processed food that, you know, find that they would probably have that combination. So you always want to avoid that. If you combine fat and protein in the morning, you're going to feel very full. Okay, so that that would be a good choice if if you want to last until lunch, which is often a consideration, especially if you have a commute and everything to get through. So, for instance, this could be an omelet is a good example, right? Eggs and butter, but it could equally be, um, you know, it could be a higher fat yogurt with various, as you say, you you don't have to avoid carbs at all. You can throw in some berries, you know, granola, whatever you like to make sure that it's really sating and that it'll last four or five hours so that you don't feel those cravings. But you might, you wouldn't want to have that if you were running straight after. So that would be the main difference. Yeah. So protein and fat or protein, sugar, and a bit of fat for breakfast, if you're running at lunch, is fine. But if you're running in the morning, then it's either just protein or protein sugar. Mm. Okay. And protein and sugar together in the morning is re- works reasonably well because the protein on the one hand makes the sugar be absorbed a bit slower. Mm-hmm. Is that that's a benefit? But at the same time, it also means that the protein that you eat will not be used as fuel if you're a little bit low on energy already. Okay, so that's something that happens if you eat protein only. And your body is, a, a, let's say you do a, a slightly faster run where there's a bit of demand for sugar. If there is low sugar already, maybe you had a long run the day before, two days before, the body will actually not use the protein you put in primarily for what you want it to be. It'll burn it as fuel. This is kind of an emergency. So that's, yeah. why, you would, that's why you would have that little combination. Earlier on today, uh, I asked uh, my good friend, Pablo Villa, Rennie, who I've mentioned a couple of times in the podcast that I teach him English every Wednesday. And you might remember Pablo, of course, he won the TDS in UTMB and the Trans Grand Canaria. And I said to him that we were going to be talking about the importance of breakfast and breakfast options on the podcast today. So I asked Pablo uh, what he has for his breakfast. And he actually won a race in Spain there last Sunday. 
And I said to him, well, what did you have for your breakfast, Pablo? The race kicked off at six o'clock in the morning. So he said he got up at four o'clock and he had a gluten-free bread sandwich with a little bit of cheese and some turkey in it. And that was it. And I asked him, was he gluten intolerant? And he said, no, no, Owen, I just like the, I, I could just find that I digest the gluten-free bread better. I add in the turkey and the ham for a little bit of protein. And then I added in a little bit of cheese just for the taste, just so I enjoy my breakfast that little bit more, as opposed to a dry ham and turkey sandwich. And then he said to me as well, but what I do then is after I do my warm up, a couple of minutes before the gun goes, I have a little top up of carbohydrates. I have a little bit of a gel just before I go. So that's a good little tip for the listeners maybe as well, that if they do have that early morning breakfast before their race or their session, they can maybe squeeze something maybe in just after their warm-up as well, just to get that insulin spike that you're talking about and ride that wave, ride that insulin spike wave over the first couple of kilometers. And I remember when I was chatting to a nutritionist myself a couple of years ago, he, he did mention that insulin spike that you can ride it out at the start of your race as well, just for a little bit of a boost too. So that was Pablo's breakfast of choice. And one thing I was going to ask you, Randy, as well is, if you have any suggestions, any tips, For the people that are listening who, like myself, I'm sure have the same breakfast every day. You know, I've got my porridge every day post my runs. I'm lucky enough to be able to run early most mornings and I have my big bowl of porridge when I come back. Something small just before I go running. But it's the same every day. I don't know if you fall into that trap, Rennie, as well. Yes, sometimes. And it's, you know, I have this one of the taglines I like is, you know, train intentionally not habitually and i think you could say that about food as well you know you should eat intentionally not habitually Uh, because even with the choice of having breakfast you know sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're genuinely not hungry and the only reason you eat is because it's a habit maybe that morning the right choice is actually not to eat you know and i have done it on a few occasions where i'm like look i'm i'm not hungry and i'll just go eat i just go run and then i'm hungry and then i eat and I think it's um, with the, you know, the, the porridge ritual, of course, in Ireland, uh, which is not something we ate that much back home. It's it's deeply ingrained, you know, it's so I think quite a lot. The choice of that is just because it's the way it is. And maybe there's some reasons it's quite easy to prepare, for instance. But in reality, you know, preparing a yogurt or something would probably be equally easy, right? It's just that that's not what we've been used to doing. So I think as a general principle, any anything you think you're doing just because you've always done it that way is worth revisiting and say, can I create a new habit instead that might be better? Because is that, do I actually know why I'm doing this? You know, you could say that about nearly anything in our lives, right? That there, there is a lot of things we do on autopilot because that's how our bodies are designed. They're designed to create habits so we don't have to think about everything we do because that would be a lot, you know? So it's kind of, but the autopilot can lead us astray if we've picked up a habit that's actually not suitable anymore to what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I think it isn't very important, Renny, as well, just not to fall into the trap of maybe reading a headline on a social media account somewhere or the headline of an article that offers to give you the magic solution to your breakfast, whatever it might be, carbs or or fat-based or whatever it might be, just because the whole area of nutrition, of breakfast for performance, it's so nuanced, it's so complex. The very best nutritionists out there will, will, I think, will say that we don't have the, the 
definite answer for everything. We're still studying. We're still researching. So just be careful of anybody or any headline that might say that this is the answer. This is the way to go. And I think that the two of us would say that if you are looking for for very detailed advice to, to call your local nutritionist. I think what we're saying today is based off our own um, experience, training, coaching, racing, what we've read ourselves, but do call in the Calvary, do call in an experienced nutritionist if you need to go that extra step. Yeah, try everything as well. Uh, try it on yourself and do it systematically. Like just notice how it affects you uh, and go by that, you know, and of course, make sure that you don't, force yourself to eat things you you actually kind of have a bit of you know suffering is a strong word right but sometimes we force ourselves into eating habits of eating lots of things we really don't like and that's not going to work long term you know and that's why i like for instance single ingredient foods because you can actually mix them up right we were talking about that i think in one of our other calls on that you know they're so when you have things like um, muesli or yogurts and things like that, you can mix anything you like in. Like if you like the taste of vanilla, add in some vanilla. If you like cacao, you add in cacao, you know, and so on and so forth. So you can create it yourself. And usually it only takes two or three steps. Whereas what I found in my little taste round, right, is that once I ate the kind of either let's say the greek yogurts the strained yogurts and um, but all single ingredient yogurts processed in different ways you know so skier was one of them and i tried kefir as well all of them had a richer taste than if i bought the ones that was pre-mixed you know where if you looked at the label you could see that there were kind of a little bit funky stuff as i would call it in it like modified maize starch and stuff like that and once you you ate them close together, I thought it was very obvious that one had a slightly what I would consider a fake taste. Yeah. It and it's also a lot of them have sugar added to a level where you can't really control how much of it you're getting. You know, because uh, you you want to be much more systematic as an athlete. You know, you you know when your body needs that, and you know when it doesn't need it. So, for instance, after exercise, which was the only scenario we didn't mention. It's really important that you get the protein and the carbs that your body wants in quickly. Yeah. And that means you you need to pick a source that has you know high protein, high carbs, but low fat, because you don't want the fat to slow down the absorption of that. But for your evening meal, you might then do the opposite. You know, you you'll actually lower down the carb um, and the protein and maybe have a slightly fattier meal, which is just kind of sate you into to the evening and there are exceptions to that rule as well right if you train an incredible amount like multiple sessions a day there are scenarios where you will want maybe a top-up protein carb before going to bed you know which is not my usual recommendation at all um but there are scenarios where you could be needing so much that actually getting an extra shot into the body just before you go into sleep mode or or shortly before can be necessary but you know it's fairly extreme scenario you know you're talking nearly kind of training camp levels of of activity yeah i'm just thinking of the photograph Rennie, that chris Froome published a couple of years ago on his was it his facebook or his instagram account for his breakfast when he was in the middle of the tour de france and if you remember it was an avocado and some smoked salmon and salad and of course, everybody then was oh, this is what Chris Froome is having for his breakfast, avocado and salmon. That's the way to go. But what people maybe didn't realize was that that was Chris Froome's breakfast 
on his rest day. I'm sure when he was um, doing his time trial or big mountain stages, he was having something completely different. So it, it is very important that individualization, that periodization of your different food sources, very, very important. Rene, I think we'll call it a day for that today. I'm off down to collect the kids to pop into the supermarket on the way back. And I'm going to be looking for those big A green nutri scores on the products that I'm getting. Rene, thanks a million as always for that, mate. And we'll see you next time. And people can get you on runningcoach.ie. All right. Thanks, all. Well, thanks a million for that, Rene, and to our sponsors, Yopley Skier Yogurts, who are the inspiration really behind that particular segment. And if you are looking for a good yogurt to add to that healthy breakfast or even a healthy snack, do make sure to check out the Yopley Skier Yogurts, 0% fat, naturally high in protein, with 9.5 grams of protein per 100 grams as per their nutritional label. Tasty and good value, sounds good to me. And you can get the Skier 850 gram yogurts in Aldi stores nationwide. Well, that's a wrap for this week, everybody. Hopefully everyone got through the snow okay over the last few days and training is back on track, getting ready for the big races coming up in the springtime. And I might leave you with a nice quote that I picked up this week from the Science in Sport podcast that when planning out your sessions, if you are unsure to do that session or not, Ask yourself the question, have you earned the right to do that session? Have you earned the right to do more in training? And if not, have the patience in your training, in your sessions, to build up to those big hill runs, to build up to those big multiple hill repeats. And by doing so, you'll stay fit, you'll stay healthy, and you'll be able to attack those big races coming up head on. Everybody, get your running gear on. Let's go. Let's go.